What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, we don't have a game from this past weekend to study, so therefore, we're going to be checking the tape on some college prospects that I think could move the needle for the Dolphins in 2023 in a way-too-early look at some Dolphins draft prospect fits. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today on the show, we are committed to checking the tape on Tuesdays. But the Dolphins didn't play this past weekend. So therefore, we've been checking the tape. With my other gig over at the Draft Network uh, and exploring the top college prospects. And I wanted to identify a couple of players and fits that I think could make sense for the Miami Dolphins. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you could win up to 10 extra money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match. Up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Now, I can hear the collective groan from some of you. Kyle, the Dolphins are seven and three, and we're doing off season talk. I get it. But I need you to put yourself in my shoes. Die hard, draft Nick, die hard, Dolphins fan. Dolphins have deprived us and i'm using air quotes here deprived us of first round selections for each of this past year and this upcoming year i'm jones in for my fix of dolphins draft discussion and talk and thank goodness the dolphins at seven and three they have put all thoughts of the offseason on the back burner but if not now it won't happen until january or february for us to have just like a, a primer a primer, a way too early look at players at key spots and critical positions for the Dolphins that I think are going to be potential fits for the Miami Dolphins this offseason. And there's some good names on this list. So a couple rules of thumb. Uh, we over at Draft Network did a top 100 ballot update this past week. And there's five scouts on staff. We each put in a poll of our top 100 players based on our current opinions at that point in time. And then you take the average of all of those together and it spits out a consensus top 100. I'm looking at my ballot. Okay. And the general rule is I'll acknowledge some guys who are like fringe could be first round guys, but general rule of thumb is like this discussion is centered around day two prospects. It's not to stop the dolphins from going all in and, and making a big trade to go up and get a single guy. If you feel like a single guy is the answer. But my commitment with this discussion is to look at day two targets, round two and three. Guys, I think could be starters for the Dolphins and impact players. You find them every year. You find them every year. So in doing so, we're going to be looking at a couple of key spots for the Dolphins. We're going to be looking at linebacker. We're going to be looking at running back. We're going to be looking at... Along the offensive line in its entirety, I think you still have a, a need at left guard and you have a question mark at right tackle long-term. Would love to see Brandon Shell re-signed after this season, though. 
looking along the defensive line specifically, uh, you, you do have to worry about Melvin Ingram and Andrew Van Ginkle on the edge. So you may need some young depth on the edge. I think they could benefit from an interior pass rusher. Corner is definitely an area we're going to be looking at. And then I think a third safety with Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. Uh, Eric Rose, another expiring contract. So the Dolphins, they, they are going to have some players to make some decisions on. And financially speaking, they may not get them all. So who these guys are who are candidates to, to help your team and really boost what you do and get them on rookie deals is going to be an important complementary part. It's what the Rams largely haven't done the last couple of years. Everybody thinks about the Rams and less need and F them picks and all that stuff. And it worked, but it worked for a while because the Rams were hitting on their picks in the third and fourth round and getting like quality starters, guys that develop into quality starters. But the last three years or so, that pipeline has dried up. They have not had the same success drafting in the last three years. And what happens is as the expensive guys get another contract and the guys who are on rookie deals need a new contract and you can't afford it and you let him go and you try and replace him. If you're no longer drafting well, the pipeline doesn't sustain itself and the team falls off. And we see the LA Rams this year are a hot mess express. And that's the objective for the Dolphins as we transition into this new reality where this team was, we're going to build through the draft. We're going to draft by volume. We're going to get a lot of young guys in here. They did that. And they did that successfully. But now, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to go out and get players that are NFL ready, get players that need a, a second contract or a third contract and, and pay them a lot of money. It makes those day two selections all that much more paramount because like their, their annual salary for the first four years is, is like a million million dollars, like really good value bang for your buck. If you can hit. So identifying who some of these guys are uh, is an important piece of the puzzle for the dolphins. Now the dolphins, are going to have the opportunity to bring some players back in position. So it's no slam dunk thing, no guarantee. But again, we're going to be looking at, in the event that there is a large amount of flux, we're going to be looking at running back. We're going to be looking at tight end. We're going to be looking at the offensive line. Specifically, I'll probably keep it dialed in on the left guard spot because I think that's your definitive question mark. Um, that that is a clear upgrade opportunity based on the play that the Dolphins have received. And maybe Robert Jones becomes that guy and they trust him and they don't go that way. Hey, that's fine. You know, that's one less spot you got to look into. Uh, the, the, the pass rusher group is probably a little later than day two, but we'll look at a couple names there. Uh, another linebacker type and then DBs. So it, it's a lot of spots. It's a lot of spaces that we're going to look at here. And I'm excited for the conversation because it, it's kind of new for you guys. I've kind of been one foot in, but also one foot out. I've largely kept off-season focus versus in-season focus compartmentalized uh, because the Dolphin season has gone the way that it's gone. So uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into this as soon as I tell you about our friends over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car that you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. Book an SUV or minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Toro.com. 
Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Daily fantasy done right. Pick two to five players, and if they perform above or below the prize picks in-house projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on your entry. There's no competing against other people. It's literally just you versus the projections made by prize picks. Prize picks offers projections for just about any sport that you watch. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And with safe and fast withdrawals, is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Prize Picks apps or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So if you put 100 in, they're going to match you another 100. You put 50 in, they're going to give you another 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So let's start this thing at the running back position. That's because we do have Raheem Mostert, we do have Jeff Wilson, both expiring contracts. Day two players that I think could be fits for the Dolphins and could be needle movers. Uh, Chase Brown from Illinois is a big one. Track speed, not a big guy, but can run to the outside. He's been a volume ball carrier for Illinois this year. I believe it, he still leads the country, or FBS, um, in rushing yards this year. Uh, he's over 1,400 rushing yards. Um, and what's fun about Illinois is, is his, he has a twin brother who plays safety, who I think would be a good fit for the Dolphins too. So Chase Brown is the running back at Illinois, who if Raheem Mostert is not back long-term or if you have a value opportunity and Raheem Mostert is back or you want to have the insurance of another speed-to-the-edge player that's not Savan Ahmed, Chase Brown is certainly a name to watch. I think Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State would be a really fun third back, but he is a little more undersized. So he, like Chase Brown, is somebody who uh, I don't think would be the Jeff Wilson type right now. We have very two very different body types between Jeff Wilson and what he brings and Raheem Mostert and what he brings. So if you're looking for that between the tackles type, Blake Corum is definitely a name to watch. He's got really good vision and feel, and he's built low to the ground. He's at Michigan. He's got like 20 rushing touchdowns this year. He's one of the leaders for the Heisman Trophy. Um, but because he's probably like a 4'6 guy and he's not super big, uh, and he does actually share the backfield, believe it or not, with uh, another couple of backs. It was Hassan, Hassan Haskins last year, who's now with the Tennessee Titans. Um, but Michigan, they, they, they're rolling deep in the running game. So Blake Corum is, is more of a um, rotational, and I use air quotes there, type of back. If you need a Jeff Wilson type, Corum's not as big as Jeff Wilson, but he runs the same style, and I think he fits between uh, the tackles with some of the inside zone rushing stuff uh, that the Dolphins are are capable of. So those are names that pop to me as day two types. That also include Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, uh, former Michigan Wolverine, just case in point for what Michigan's got in the offensive backfield. Uh, but those are all kind of like round three or later players for the Dolphins. So the whole debate about drafting running backs is what's the opportunity cost? How much later could you wait and get X percent of an earlier investment? And for the Dolphins, you know, they've 
made the move for Jeff Wilson. It was five. They they brought in Raheem Mostert. They paid Chase Edmonds a pretty penny when he first got here. Now they got out of that contract fairly quickly and good for them. Um, but just kind of case in point, the opportunity cost is f- usually fairly low at running back. So if you're going to wait, it probably makes sense in trying to get a more premier position like a corner or potentially a tight end, but probably not. It's tight end is still devalued relative to, I think the impact that they can bring on an NFL field on a week by week basis. So let's talk about tight ends next. Everybody knows Michael Mayer, Notre Dame. Uh, he going to be long gone by the, the time the dolphins pick, but there's a couple other names that I get really excited about as potential, like inline tight ends for the dolphins. You know, that the role that's currently filled by, Durham Smythe, and we were hoping Hunter Long would take the next step. The challenge is most of the time, tight ends are a position group that take a while uh, to acclimate to the NFL level. Usually there's like a two-year layover before they're the best version of themselves. So if you're going to go out and get one, go out and get one who's a winner as a blocker right away. I think that's an important footnote. So who are a couple of those guys? Uh, Darnell Washington from Georgia is one. He is freakishly big, like 6'7", 260, 270 pounds, uh, wins as a blocker. Uh, Georgia has two other tight ends that that also win in the receiving game. So Washington's not really a big target in the passing game, but he's a good football player, and he's really physical, and he would move the edge. He would win the edge, uh, but he's athletic enough to, to not just be a hand-in-the-dirt tight end. The challenge is that might be an end of the first round or very early second round type player. And the Dolphins, with their current record projection, they're going to be picking outside the top 50. I think Darnell Washington is the best fit from a tight end perspective for the Dolphins, but I would expect you're probably going to have to go get that guy if you want to go get that guy. Some tight ends that you probably would not have to move up for would include Cade Stover from Ohio State, former defensive lineman. He's catching a lot of touchdowns, and which is weird because Ohio State's like historically never used the tight end. So the one time they do use one, it's a guy who uh, used to be a defensive lineman, but he will kick your butt in the run game. Uh, he's really physical. Dalton Kincaid uh, from Utah is probably the discount Michael Mayer. It's like you're getting 90% of Michael Mayer, and you probably can wait 60 picks later to draft him than where Michael Mayer goes. Um, that's an obvious second or third round target in my mind for the Dolphins is Dalton Kincaid. He's had a big glow up in the passing game this year, uh, but he was known for his blocking. And Utah used a lot of two tight end stuff. They had another tight end, uh, Brent Kythe, uh, who's injured at this point in time, but he was a little bit more of the move piece type player. So he Kythe's a little bit more like Durham Smythe, where Durham Smythe has, has found impact in the passing game by moving around the set. Um, Kincaid's a little bit more of the static in-line guy, but he's still still fairly athletic. The last name that I would invoke here is Tucker Kraft uh, from South Dakota State. Uh, same pipeline that Dallas Godert came from. Dallas Godert with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, went in the same draft class as what Mike Gusecki did, and Kraft is a big, big-time threat. Um, if if out of the names Washington, Kraft, Kincaid, Stover, Kythe that I mentioned, if you told me one of them was going to, in any capacity, resemble George Kittle as a player, 
I think it's Tucker Craft. The problem, of course, is that he plays this out to go to state. So there, you're, you're probably expecting a big transition there. And for a team in Miami who's looking to be competitive right away and needs young players that are capable of stepping into significant roles right away, is that a fit? I don't really know. But if the value's there at a certain point, it becomes too good of a value proposition, you can figure it out, right? It's like the Dolphins trading for Tyreek Hill. It wasn't part of the plans, but when it happens and it's too obvious of a move to, to pass up on, you'll be left to pick up some pieces and try and rig some stuff together. But it still makes sense in the big picture uh, to make that commitment and make that move. So um, those are some of the tight ends that I have my eye on for the Dolphins right now as we're continuing through our exploratory uh, process here on Locked on Dolphins coming out of the bye. Uh, we have the rest of the week, power to the pod. Uh, we have crossover Thursday, and then we have crafting a game plan to defeat the Houston Texans this week. So we got a good program coming up. So we're making the most of this uh, last gasp reprieve, I suppose, with the bye, uh, with some some non-related content. So as we shift our eyes inside to the interior offensive line, I got my notes over here. You, you know, For those of you on YouTube, you can see in my reflection uh, on my Dan Marino jersey here. Um, John Michael Schmitz is, is guard center versatile. I would expect he'll be gone by the time Miami picks. Osiris Torrance is a big bodied blocker for us or for Florida. Andrew Voorhees, big bodied interior blocker from USC Voorhees played tackle previously. Cedric Van Pran, uh, university of Georgia probably center only type player. I don't think any of them are value fits for where they're expected to get drafted or scheme fits. Like Torrance is a guard, but he's a big, like 345 type. And I don't think that in, we saw Solomon Kinley. Well, I think Solomon Kinley can play. And I think eventually he'll get a chance to play and would not be surprised if he finds some, some fair success. But it just wasn't going to play in a wide zone zone rushing system, and I feel the same for Torrance. Some names on day two. Uh, Cooper Beebe from Kansas State plays tackle. little undersized, but I think inside at guard. Um, his lack of length could be protected, and he does have good mobility and athleticism. So that's one name that pops for me. Uh, Cody Mauch from North Dakota State. Uh, North Dakota State's got a Pretty good track record with young guys coming in the league and having success. So I'm not too skittish about that position group at guard being a player who could play right away for you. He's a really physical player, uh, but some surprising athleticism to his game as well. And then Henry Bainavalu, uh plays guard for the Washington Huskies. He's another name that jumps off to me as probably that's probably a, a late top 100 selection that would fall into that round of expectations for the Dolphins that you, know, you get them a chance to come in and start, or especially if you lose Michael Dieter, right? He's a utility player, and Dieter's not playing right now, and uh, the staff seems to have told us what they've thought of Michael Dieter by passing him over for a couple different spots, the starting center spot, and then it was the left guard spot, and uh, just as, as they've played musical chairs, he hasn't really sniffed the field but he is a valuable player because he can play multiple spots. So if you're looking for a utility type, I, I do think Bainavalu, um, third or fourth round, would be a player that that 
Miami could benefit from having uh, in the fray. Don't think they got the draft futures just yet, but BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So that's our offensive guys. Uh, we do have defensive guys to work through. Um, I'm going to lump the interior and defensive or interior and exterior defensive linemen in together because we're, we're just looking for rotational pass rushers at this point. Um, I, I do think we need to be mindful of, and the good news is the edge class is really deep and really good. <laughs> and uh, that's a good mix for Miami where, you could get into the third round and be picking a pass rusher that in a vacuum probably should have gone by the end of the second round just because the number that are available, there's a surplus of these guys. I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation that Miami finds an, an impactful rotational pass rusher in the event that they let Melvin Ingram walk because he wants to play more. And Andrew Van Giggle's not re-signed. If that's the case, this is a great spot to go to the well and feel like, we can get a guy that can win rotationally for us right off the jump. So as I look at the names here, names that I think are in play for Miami, the Auburn kids are really enticing, but I think they're going to be gone. Xavier Thomas from Clemson hasn't played great this year. But if you're looking for the Van Ginkle type, he's kind of undersized, doesn't have great length, but he's really quick and he can win all uh, from depth. I think Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, a little bit more of a leaner build, uh, so you don't necessarily love the, the leaner build. That was the thing with Van Ginkle when Van Ginkle first came in too, was that first year he spent some time on IR and um, they, they, you know, they kind of said he needs to get in the weight room and, and build himself up. Uh, as a JUCO transfer, but he's also somebody who um, had the quickness that I think Nick Hampton also has. Uh, Nate Herbig from from Wisconsin, ironically enough, is another Van Ginkle type player. Where if he drops off and, and heads to free agency and gets paid the bag by somebody, uh, I think you could identify Nate Herbig as a potential, or Nick Herbig, excuse me, as a potential. Uh, fill in for that role rotationally in the defense. I like KJ Henry from Clemson. I know I've mentioned Wisconsin and, and Clemson a bunch here with this discussion, but Henry's taken a step forward this year as a pass rusher. He's just not like a really um, high twitch guy. And because of that, there's, there's a little bit of a glass ceiling where he's, he's this traditional edge build with good length, but he's not a super explosive guy. So the question is, okay, what's the ceiling as a pass rusher? But he's turned it on this year. He, he's been able to, to make a little bit more of an impact than he had previously. Uh, Dylan Horton from TCU is an interesting name. He is twitched up. Um, the challenge for Horton is they transition their defensive scheme at TCU, and they play this odd front like the Dolphins do. So imagine taking a player like, oh, man, uh, Phillips, a smaller version of Jalen Phillips and playing him in Christian Wilkins' role in the defense when they go with their odd front stuff. Not 
third and 12 and you put him at three technique. But like first and 10 base defense, he's inside shade on an offensive tackle. Like that's what TCU is now asking Dylan Horton to do. So it makes the projection kind of muddy. Uh, but he's a high tools type guy. Um, couple other really twitched up but undersized guys that really catch my eye uh, would include Oshawan Mathis and Nebraska. Uh, he's a transfer from TCU, ironically enough, and he's really got he's really got some twitch. And then DJ Johnson from Oregon is a little bit more of a, a tweener type player. He's really dense. He's kind of built like Agba, uh, where he could play inside, he could play outside, he could play from a stand up, uh, and, and really, um, I think has has a really nice foundation to work with as a developmental type. And that's the kind of player that you know for Miami you're not going to be so pressed to get an immediate contributor versus some of these other spots that we've talked about here today on the show at linebacker. It's tough, right? Because you, you have to include Channing Tindall in the discussion. I don't think this year's uh, this year's linebacker group is particularly strong. The top names, Trent Simpson, Henry Toto, Noah Sewell. We might not get a first round linebacker. Like Simpson's the best athletic of those uh, traits guy of those three. And he's regressed significantly as Clemson made a defensive coordinator change because Brent Venables is now the head coach at Oklahoma this year. I think one name, if I had to identify one name and former Locked On Dolphins host, Travis Wingfield will likely love this given his allegiances in college. Uh, Dion Henley from Washington State is a really rangy, aggressive, explosive linebacker and um, he's closer to 230. So he's kind of built in the same frame as, as Jerome Baker and Duke Riley are, but he's a player who he just flies around and uh, he's rated for me, you know, right at the end of that second round, like 62 overall. So depending on how Miami's postseason run goes, you know, this is kind of the range where a player like that could be available. Is that the most important needle mover that you could find for Miami? No, probably not. I'd expect that'll be DBs. But uh, Diane Henley is a, a linebacker that I would be remiss to not at least mention here. Which brings us to the secondary, and I do think this is an area that the Dolphins need to do some significant work this offseason. Um, get some fresh names in here. Get some cheaper labor in here. They've been really heavy. They've been one of the top commitments in the NFL to the defensive back group over the last couple of years, the good news is you got to have some guys. Uh, in the same light in which Darnell Washington was the, you might have to go up and get him guy on the offensive side of the ball, I got to acknowledge two guys here, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois, and Antonio Johnson, safety from Texas A&M. Uh, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M is a nickel sub linebacker type that does some of the same things that Brandon Jones does, but I think Johnson is also a more impactful player in coverage. So you think about how they've moved Brandon Jones around and the impact that he's been able to find, but he wasn't ever really a guy that you would put in man-to-man and say, okay, like we're going to turn you loose, go get it. Johnson's a little bit of a, a blend between the skills of Eric Rowe as a cover player against tight ends and Brandon Jones as a box player. And that two for one, not to diminish Brandon Jones, but you can live in a world where you could play nickel and have three safeties on the field. And you would have Holland, Jones, 
and Johnson on the field simultaneously. And any of those guys you could put in the slot and feel like they're going to be able to take care of business and fit the run and tackle and do what they need to do. Uh, so it'd be added versatility for the safety room, which I think would, would be uh, an awesome move for Miami. Devin Witherspoon is a man corner. Uh, he's really, really good at the catch point. Um, he originally was committed to Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. He was originally from Florida. Um, got some less a late SAT scores that made him eligible to play uh, NCAA football, so he committed to Illinois. Led the team in special teams tackle his freshman season. Started three games. He was the only guy from that recruiting class as a true freshman to start for Illinois. And he showed up like two weeks into camp. And he's been a three-year starter at corner ever since. And he will smoke you as a tackler. He's really impressive. Uh, so Witherspoon, those are two guys, though, that are probably top 50 players. So from Miami's perspective, that's a we're going to go up and get you tight player. I do think Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi State, long physical corner, uh, is another name that makes sense. DJ Turner, physical corner from Michigan, uh, is a good name to identify here. These are good athletes. I think Turner's probably the more dynamic athlete between him and Forbes. Um, and then you, you can get into a slew of names here depending on uh, what kind of body type do you want. Do you want Cater Kohu to play outside? Do you want Cater Kohu to be your nickel? Because uh, you, you could go like, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami hasn't had a great year. I understand that, but he's a super toolsy guy. So round three, round four, it's worth betting on the traits at that point to get a guy in and, and coach him up and be competitive. And you got to trust this coaching staff's going to figure guys like that out, given the, the talent that they have uh, and how successful they've been as players. Um, Chris Abrams Drain from Missouri is just another name that I would kind of call out as somebody who's kind of floated along this year. Um, but is talented Eli Ricks from Alabama transferred from LSU hasn't really uh, made the impact that he's physically capable of. If he chooses to leave and jump be a late round flyer for you as well. So no shortage of options. So I think that that's the exciting thing for me is, as a draft Nick and a Dolphins fan and not having a first round pick. It's like, okay, like we're not going to mock you B. John Robinson or Michael Mayer anymore. But life's going to go on, and we're, we're going to have a lot of, of really fruitful discussions around the draft class because it, it, we're, we're in the end game now for the Dolphins in it from this team-building process to try to put yourself over the top but then also sustain yourself in a way that's going to allow you to do it year over year over year and have answers to problems before they arise as far as it comes to personnel. So. That's the walkthrough. That's the end of the bye week. Uh, Follies here on Locked on Dolphins. We're back on regularly scheduled programming tomorrow, so plan accordingly. Look forward to seeing you guys then. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great day. Talk with you all again tomorrow.